What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Talking a Bunch of Hoopla. This week, we're talking about the trades from this past trade deadline in the NBA. Uh, this past weekend in the, I guess, the new season of the XFL, and this controversial decision uh, between the Dominic Reyes-John Jones fight this past Saturday at 2.47. Let's just get right into it. So this past week was the NBA trade deadline, and we had some some pretty some pretty good trades. I wouldn't say we had any like you know groundbreaking kind of stuff, but you know, nonetheless, some big moves were made. Um, the biggest trade though of the trade deadline was D'Angelo Russell uh, going to Minnesota. So the terms were uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves get uh, D'Lo, Jacob Evans, Omari Spellman, uh, Warriors get. Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 first-round pick, protected numbers one through three, and a 2021 second-round pick. Uh, personally, uh, what I think is going to happen, I think this will give Cat a kind of b- a boost in happiness and confidence with the Timberwolves. Do I think he'll stay there forever? No. I think once his contract is up, I think he'll leave. Uh, probably go to a team that is probably better built and set up for him and his uh, friends. Cause it seems like my cause it seems like a lot of talk on NBA Twitter that I've seen at least is that, or the hope again, like I said, is that it's Cat, D'Lo, and Devin Booker all go on the same team at one point because they're all friends, and then you know win championships, be a young core, and live happily ever after. That's all we want. Uh, <laughs> whether or not happens, I don't know. I know the agents of a couple of them is now the G or president, excuse me, president of the Knicks. So maybe that's kind of where they go. That's the direction that we're going to see them go in. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not an expert, but we're talking about it. That's, that's the point of this. The second biggest one, in my opinion, was the Andre Iguodala trade. So the, he was traded to Miami Heat. They also got uh, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, while the Grizzlies received uh, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Deion Waiters. Yet, Deion Waiters will be uh, waived uh, from the Grizzlies, so he'll be open to go wherever he wants. And I've seen people say he may go to L.A., Lakers specifically, so we'll see from there. Um, they also were trying to get um, Darren Collison out of retirement, but he's like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kick it for a bit. You know, I'm, I'm rich, I'm young, I got mad money, and I'm just kick it. I'm enjoying life. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And then from there, you had the Andre Drummond trade to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Pistons received John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a 2023 second-round pick. Now, Andre Drummond uh, was on Twitter, at least, or on Instagram, or one of those in Snapchat, MySpace, Friendster things. Uh, he wasn't too pleased about getting traded. You know, he uh, it seemed like he enjoyed his time in uh, Detroit. Had enjoyed his time there. I said that twice. I apologize. But, yeah, I didn't like the fact that he got traded, you know, because I'm sure he wanted to stay and, you know, play more and have the team built around him, you know, be better, of course. But, hey, he's going to Cleveland. He's going Kevin Love, and hopefully, you know, he can, you know, make Kevin Love happy and not be uh, a sad boy in Cleveland because he's been very vocal this past season about how fucking Cleveland sucks. But that's what happens when you lose the top player in the league. So what are you going to do? You're going to do your best. That's all we can ask for. The next biggest trade, though, came from the Clippers, Knicks, and Wizards. So it was a three-team trade, like I, I just described that, uh, duh. 
So the Clippers received Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas will be waived from the Clippers, if I'm correct. Uh, the Knicks received uh, Maurice Harkless, a 2020 first-round pick, uh, and a 2020 first-round pick, excuse me. And the Wizards received Jerome Robinson. Now, Isaiah Thomas, need to stop being done dirty, too, because he had a really de- he had a pretty good season this year so far with the Wizards. You know, he's played well. But it seems like something must have happened after that trade, you know, from Boston to Cleveland when he was traded for Kyrie. Because since then, he's bounced around a shit ton. And I don't understand it. Like, Isaiah Thomas, I believe at one point was even up for, like, MVP talk. I know it's still kind of a stretch, but I know there was conversations between, you know, person to person about him possibly being a fucking MVP, bringing bringing the Celtics to the playoffs, you know, having a long career there and doing well. And then they were like, you know what? Uh, Actually, we want Kyrie. I'll suck my ass. Do me a favor. You did great, but you're not Kyrie Irving. You know, you're not him. And then Kyrie didn't do shit in Boston, and he was all depressed. So, you know, it was a waste of a trade. So, hey, it, it is what it is. But, you know, I hope for the best for Isaiah. You know, I'm sure a team's going to want to get him. Uh, hopefully a team that actually uses him properly and can, uh, you know, really understand uh, his role on a team. Not just be like, yeah, 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 we have Isaiah Thomas. Okay, fuck, okay. You're not the real Isaiah Thomas. You're just this new guy. I don't give a fuck. So I, I've always liked him as a player. You know, he's kind of like the underdog story where he's because he because of his height is like obviously the biggest thing. But he's proven he can play. Like that's very obvious. It's just the fact that a team just hasn't been on the right team. Hopefully, you know, my best wishes to him and his family he can figure it out. Because I'm sure they're tired of either moving or you know doing all these changes. Because I'm sure it's pretty fucking annoying. <laughs> Next, you have the Alec Burke trade. Uh, to Philadelphia, you had Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third, and the Warriors receive a third, three, excuse me, three second round picks in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Now a lot of people were mad uh, because the Celtics, from my understanding, didn't do really like anything in these trades. If I'm if my understanding is correct from this uh, kind of sheet I have out here, um, but I mean I'm you know that's a whole other conversation, and we'll get to that another day, but. Uh, Atlanta re- acquires uh, Dwayne Dedman, so they got him and two second round picks in 2020-2021. Kings received Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Jabari Parker, another mover, a lot. You know, he was highly coveted coming out, and just been on the move a bit. You know, he was in Chicago for a little bit. Uh, didn't seem like that worked out well. Then went to uh, Atlanta. Eh, it was it doesn't seem like it's been going super great, but hey, doing your best. So let's go to the Kings and. You know, they're kind of, like, on this weird, like, you know, I hope for the best for them, you know, because the Kings have been through a lot since that uh, NBA Finals, which, you know, people will discuss if that's still rigged or not. And, I hey, hey, I don't know, but I'm up for conversation. You know, maybe we'll get into that another day. But for now, we're going to stay off of that. Uh, next, we have the James Ennis uh, three uh, third trade. Uh, he went to the Magic, and the Sixers received a second-round pick. I'll make these kind of quick. And then you had um, Scal. I'm not going to say his last. I'm going to butcher it. Uh, from the Trailblazers, went to the Hawks. Hawk, uh, Trailblazers got a future second-round pick. Jordan Bell has gone to Memphis from the Rockets. Uh, they also received Bruno Cabo Okolo. Probably bash that. Uh, Jordan McRae is now in Denver. And they got Shabazz Napier from the Nuggets to the Wizards. Um, Derek Wallen Jr. went from the Clippers to the Hawks. And the Clippers received cash. Uh, the other big trade, though, that was four-team trade, uh, 
super mega deal. It was a whole lot. Um, yeah, the Rockets received Robert Covington, Jordan Bell, and a 2024 second-round pick. Hawks received Clint Cabela and Nene. Timberwolves received Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, a 2020 first-round pick, lottery protected. The Nuggets received Gerald Green, Keita Bates, Dio, uh, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley in a 2020 first-round pick. But as I previously just said, uh, the Nuggets traded Shabazz Napier away, so you know he's kind of just dipped around a little bit. I, I would imagine as a player that must suck. You're basically just like a trade bait. You're like, damn, we don't really care. We're just going to just trade you away. We're just using you to get some shit. I don't, I don't really care. I'm going to be honest. So, you know, it is what it is with that. Um, so, but hey, let me know your thoughts on these trades. Were you happy? Were you sad your team maybe didn't make a trade? You know, were you happy with the people you got? Maybe were you sad? Please let me know your thoughts because, I mean, hey, as a as a newer, I'm a, I'm gonna say I'm a Knicks fan. You know, I'm, I'm gonna jump that train. Um, I get why Marcus Morris was traded. You know, he, he was having a pretty good year, so it was time. And then, you know, now that uh, Steve Mills is out as president, it's definitely uh, definitely a lot better, of course, because he's his track record's been honestly garbage for my research as well. And obviously, just talking to other Knicks fans. Sorry, the train just went by. If you heard that, a little sorry about that. But, you know, they have a good young core, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. So, and then, you know, they're going to have a top pick in this year's draft. So, whether they go for Cole Anthony, Wiseman, LaMelo, et cetera, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know where the thought is. I don't know where the brain is because it seems like where you think they're going to go, they're going to go uh, 10 miles to the fucking right and then uh, burn it and then just keep going straight. And you're like, I don't, I don't really know what's happening anymore. And I'm a little scared. That's it. I'm a little scared. But... Hey, you know, there's going to be a time, I'm going to say a couple of years at best, that the Knicks will get back to, you know, prominence. I know everyone's like, yeah, old fucking K-Pow. But, hey, teams come back. Everyone thought Cleveland Browns were going to be bad. They had a good season with Peyton Hillis, all right? Didn't, you know, they weren't winning Super Bowl great, but they had, you know, a nice spark to the team. You know, just like when Jeremy Lin was there in 2012. You know, they, they need that spark. You know, they need that Jeremy Lin-type spark again. So, because, you know, I, I also think if Jeremy Lin stayed, they probably would have been a little better, but, you know, fuck Jeremy Lin. But, you know, we're, we're, that's not the point of this conversation. Next, we're going to get into the first, I don't want to say inaugural, because XFL was around in 2001. So, I guess the new, new inaugural, new season of the XFL. So, the XFL first week is here, and it's gone. Uh, quick scores for this. You had the D.C. Defenders, 31, Seattle Dragons, 19, Houston Roughnecks, 37, L.A. Wildcats, 17. And I think about like 10, 15 minutes ago I saw the D.C. for the L.A. Wildcats got fired, so uh, that sucks. Uh, you had, then you had the Guardians, 23, Tampa Bay Vipers, 3, Battlehawks, 15, Renegades, 9. To be honest, the reception I saw for the XFL was way better than I honestly expected. You know, I wasn't expecting anything negative or anything. or I, w- I just didn't think people would be this excited for the XFL. I mean, obviously, the demand for football is always there. That's, and especially in this country, that's not going to change. But the fact that it, it did really well is honestly the more surprising part of it. And I believe, if I'm correct, I don't remember if it was the first completion or the first drive that the DC Fenders had. 
where they're already giving Cardo Jones starting quarterback MVP chance. <laughs> so, I mean, that's I think that's great. It's great that, you know, there's people that are willing to go to these games and want to be involved because obviously, like I said, people in this country love football. And, you know, we've seen plenty of times these spring leagues or like, you know, however you want to define them, these kind of mini leagues of football kind of come and go. People get invested, then they last a year, and then they die out, and then a new one pops up, and it just becomes a cycle of, like, starts well, kind of eh, gets worse, and then they close, and then it's just that again. Because this is, like, the, what, sixth or seventh type league that's been like this and has failed. Heck, even the XFL failed once back in 2001. But also, that was more gimmicky, and they didn't take that, honestly, too serious, so that's why I think it failed. But, you know, with the rule changes involved and, the talent that they have, and, you know, they have pretty much competent, you know, coaches and players. Not that the AAF didn't, but there's the talent's a lot better and the pay's better, from my understanding, than it was in the AAF that I think this will... I don't think it'll last forever, but I think it'll outlast a lot of these other leagues that we've seen pop up over the last, like, 20, 30 years. I remember, though, when I was talking about the uh, XFL when Vince McMahon did that inaugural kind of press conference or statement or whatever the video he made talking about the announcement for the XFL and, you know, updates them throughout the, uh, throughout the couple of months after that, you know, I was excited, but I was also worrisome. You know, we had just seen the AF fold even after their $250 million investment from the, I believe the, one of the hockey teams, in the NHL's owner, he invested it like a bunch of money. He thought he was going to save the AF and, it was going to last forever, then it didn't last more than like a couple more months after that. But, you know, it, just even from the start, it just seemed to me that the XFL was taking itself way more serious. That like, you know, we understand we're not going to beat the NFL. The NFL is number one, but there is a wide opening for number two. You know, just like the NBA obviously is number one in the world for basketball. But there's still, you know, you have like the European leagues, you have the you have the New Zealand basketball leagues. China is like the, one of the bigger basketball markets now. You have the G League and so on. Uh, when it comes to professional basketball, that for now for football, there's that option there because um, they tried with X, the NFL Europe and that didn't really last super long and wasn't that successful. But I hope for the best. You know, um, like games are really fun. Uh, my my favorite thing though that they did was the uh, the sky judge or like the the re- pretty much any play can get overruled at a moment's notice because you have someone who's watching the game and was and will talk to the referee directly say hey you know on that previous play that was a holding call a blah 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 or like that wasn't a pass interference so it's like you have someone who's unbiased who's like all right who also has a different view of the game and it's like all right hey they may have missed something but. I, I, I'm going to change it. Here we go. Blah, blah, blah. And I think that's great, um, especially with all these controversial calls in the NFL. It's been for the however many years, especially the last couple of years with these refs and little rule changes and everything, but they're still kind of not where they should be, in my opinion, but that's a whole other conversation. I just think there's a lot of promise with the XFL. I'm excited for week two. Um, I don't know. There really isn't much for me else to say because it's only been week one. So, you know, Cardo Jones, quarterback of the D.C. Defenders, played really well. Um, P.J. Walker, quarterback of the Houston Roughnecks, played really well. He was like a Lamar Jackson type or like Michael Vick type or Cam Newton type. Where that, 
You know, he was able to throw a lot, but also could scramble if he needed to. Uh, New York, the New York Guardians played a lot better than I thought. It was a little bit of a struggle in the beginning, but then after a while, it kind of just took off from there. So, you know, obviously, like I said, I hope for the best for the XFL. There's nothing wrong with more football, but hopefully the fans just stay engaged. I mean, as long as the, you know, the games are exciting and they're doing things that are different from what the NFL is doing and really making a point to be like, hey, we know we're not the NFL and we're not trying to be. We're not trying to beat the NFL. We're just trying to be the XFL. I think that's the biggest thing because there's been plenty of times in the past where all these, you know, leagues pop up and they want to, you know, they do well for a season like the USFL did, and they want to move to the fall. You know, be one-on-one versus football. It's not going to work. It's like with WWE. You know, you had WCW for a while, going toe-to-toe with the WWF. It was WWF at the time, so just don't come for me for that. But, and after a while, things kind of teetered off, and it's like talent started going to WWE because probably would pay more, and there's obviously more eyes on the WWE than there was the WCW at the time. But, and then... Obviously, like most things, it was bought out by their competitor, and then, you know, everyone's back in the WWF, or they went their own ways with, you know, different promotions and things like that. Even same thing with the UFC. You know, UFC's bought WEC, uh, Pride, Strike Force, you know, a bunch of different, you know, fighting promotions that are, that are trying to compete with the UFC, but because the UFC is number one and has the money and has the power, they're able to be like, hey, you know, you're doing a great job, but we know you're kind of struggling financially. Why don't you, you know, why don't we buy you, keep some of you guys around, keep the fires around, and, you know, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing your thing. So do I think, though, the NFL is going to, like, outright buy the XFL one day? No. But I think whatever happens to the XFL in the future, whether they're, you know, kind of uh, like a, how, how do you say it, kind of uh, like a, like a, like a G League type thing for NFL players where it's like, you know, they'll they maybe draft a player instead of them like sitting him for all season, have him just play in the XFL and get him up there and then teams can kind of go after him, or that player from there or so on and so forth. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's very possible. Anything's possible. But at the end of the day as well, I wouldn't be surprised if like in a year or two, the XFL closes its doors again. And then another rich person's like, hey, I want to start a football league. And then it just becomes a fucking vicious cycle of, of all these free agent players just keep getting sad and their chances getting diminished of playing actual professional football. So, But let me know your thoughts. Were you excited for the first week of the XFL? Are you going to watch next weekend? Um, or do you not care? You know, we have the NFL. You know, I've been invested in that. I'm not going to invest in new teams and new players and buy their stuff or where where are you at where are your feelings on the xfl please let me know your thoughts you can find me on instagram and twitter uh and all all that stuff will be in the description of the podcast as well uh or also i'll just shout it out at the end as well so let's finally get to this whole debacle of ufc 247 so ufc 247 has now come and passed um on the main card you had Derek lewis and uh, Latifi, I cannot pronounce that first name. Uh, Derek Lewis won by decision, and I've never seen anybody in mixed martial arts throw that many knees to the face than Derek Lewis did on Saturday night. Because I don't know what the game plan was, I don't know what they were going for, but it seemed like it was like, yo, I, I lo- he looked a little slimmer though. Usually Derek Lewis is a little bit of a chubbier guy, looked like he slimmed down a bit, but it was more like, hey. 
I'm going to fucking throw these knees till my knees buckle. I don't give a fuck what happens. And he landed a couple of them. Not all of them, but, he, you know, he did his best. And Lati- this was Latifi's first fight at the heavyweight division. He went from light heavyweight to heavyweight, so he had to gain, what, like 45 pounds, something like that? Which, if you're a bigger guy, I'm sure that's easy enough. You kind of just, you, you know, after you do the weigh-ins, you know, you gain a bunch of weight back. You know, you're drinking water, eating. So you're you're not walking around at 205, of course. But, I mean, hey, I, I don't... It was his first fight, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, not everyone does their great their first fight in a new division. But, oh, sorry, new weight class, excuse me. But but Derek Lewis, is, he's a black beast. That's why he's, that's why it's his nickname. You know, he does what he does. But now, you know, I want to see where he goes next, you know. I don't think he'll get a title shot anytime soon, but I think he's slowly creeping his way up there. You know, I think if he strings a couple more wins together, then he'll probably get back to that eventually. But for now, he'll kind of just rock out with whoever they throw at him. Uh, next fight, you had uh, Vechik versus... Oh, God, I can't pronounce that, guys. I'm terrible with names. Dan Ige, I think that's how you say it. That was a really good fight. I thought uh, Betrick had it for a bit, but they gave it to Ige, uh, Ige. But overall, I thought it was a great fight. Let's go to the stats real quick for that. Total strikes. Uh, Betrick went 29 for 74 at a 39%. Uh, Ige was, had threw 64 punches. Uh, st- sorry, landed 64 punches through 117. Uh, significant strikes. Uh, Ige had that at 48% to uh, Betchik's 28. Takedowns, Ige went 1 for 2. Betchik, though, went 3 for 10. Had one submission attempt. It's like, yeah, I mean, hey, I love the fact that you keep trying, and that's that's what you got to do. You can't just give up on it. You know, if something's working, cool, but it's like, yeah, if you notice the ground game's not working, maybe, maybe you want to change that up just a little bit. Just a little bit. Next is another heavyweight fight we had. Which I don't really know why this was ahead of the Derek Lewis Latifi fight, but I I'm not the matchmaker, so fuck do I fuck do I uh, why does it matter why does my opinion matter you know what I mean? This was the Juan Adams versus Justin Taffa fight. Uh, Taffa knocked out Juan Adams in the first round in the, uh, under two minutes. Total strikes you had Taffa at sixty seven well sixty seven percent to Adams is sixty three. Uh, significant strikes, 66% to Adams is 63%. No takedowns, no submissions attempts. I mean, Juan Adams is kind of on a losing streak now. He recently lost to Greg Hardy not too long ago. Uh, Tafa's still new in the UFC, so if I'm correct, I believe this was his UFC debut, or like he had one more fight before this, but he's still new to the UFC in my opinion. He's still new to MMA in general, but he looked good. You know, I know he's, I don't know if he's related or he, I think, he has some connection to Mark Hunt, and that was cool to see. And I know Mark Hunt's suing the UFC and fucking hates the UFC now. So, but it's great. You know, hopefully, uh, Tava has a long career in the UFC. He seems, you know, to be well. You know, he's got some good power under him. So, we'll go from there. Then you had the co-main event, which was the Valentina Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chokigan, I again last names. You know how this podcast is bashing names, hundred percent. Honestly, I'm surprised it lasted three rounds. Uh, Shevchenko usually, from my experience, does a little bit quicker than that. But you know, it was a good fight overall. I mean, 
Was I surprised that Shevchenko won? Not at all. You know, some of the head kicks, though, she was throwing were fucking disgusting. She hit her with a, with a right head kick. Uh, she hit choke again with a right head kick. And it sounded like a fucking, like a piece of wood was being slapped. It was fucking insane. But yeah, Shevchenko, she's a monster. And the conversation of her fighting Nunez came up again. And whether or not that's going to happen, I, I it may happen sometime in the future. Because eventually if Shevchenko's still running through these chicks like she's been doing, um, it's going to happen. Because even like stat-wise, she had uh, 69% total strikes to Caitlin's 39. Significant strikes, 61% to her 30. And then she went 3-for-3 for takedowns. So overall, she was pretty much just dominating the fight. Again, the fact that it lasted three rounds, I give it to Caitlin because that is impressive. But I'm not really surprised she lost. Not that she's a bad fighter. Shevchenko is just fucking, she is fucking a monster. Like if she, if I had to see her down the street and I did something to piss her off, I'm sprinting the other fucking direction, cause she'll light my shit up, and I don't want to die, cause I'm a soft, I'm a soft, I'm a soft guy. I mean physically and emotionally, but that's not the point of this. And finally, we had the John Jones Dominic Reyes fight for the light heavyweight title, and ooh, is this controversial? <laughs> this is extremely controversial. So, the big thing of it was, you know, you had, the, the judges said unanimous decision. Two of them said 48-47 in the uh, way of John Jones. And the third judge said 49-46 to John Jones as well. And to non-fight fans who were like, I don't understand that. 48-47 is basically, it was a close fight, but John Jones had the edge. You know, that's 49-46 is basically saying, John Jones fucking whooped Dominic Reyes in that fight. That's that's essentially what that means. You know, basically, hey, 49-46, John Jones. Like, Reyes did all right, but John Jones put the work on Reyes, which did not happen in my opinion. Yeah, sure. Like, stat-wise, he did better. You know, he was 62% rounded off to 63% compared to Reyes' 45% for total strikes. But... Reyes threw 263 strikes compared to John Jones's 170. You know, significant strikes. Obviously, John Jones did better. He threw he 63% again to uh, Reyes's 45%. But Reyes threw 259 significant strikes compared to John Jones's 166. And John Jones was two for nine on takedowns, which I thought was the best part though about this fight was from other fights that I've seen. Anytime John Jones take someone down, the fight's pretty much fucking over. He does what he wants with them from that point, usually. But Reyes, he got taken down. He stood up real fast. And he was like, all right, fuck, I'm down. Get up now. It was like, there's no waiting. It was like, we're up. So his defense, for the most part, was pretty solid. You know, it was a lot better than I think everyone thought. And to be honest, though, going in this fight, I didn't know what to expect from Reyes. He's not a bad fighter, you know, before this, he was 12-0, and 0, and to, in my opinion, it feel like one of those things where it's like, you know, he's, he's had a good record, but it's like, it's not, I don't want to disrespect Reyes because that's not what I'm trying to say, but it was more like, I didn't really know who he was, and I was like, John, I don't, I didn't think John Jones was going to like, w- you know, walk through him or anything, but I thought John Jones most likely will probably win this fight, you know, he'll probably put up a better fight 
than, you know, Reyes would. But no, Reyes was fucking, first two rounds had John Jones. Those were his rounds. Four and five, John Jones had those rounds. John Jones came back strong, really put the pressure on Reyes. Especially Reyes was kind of gassed by that point. Most likely due to a lack of experience for fighting five rounds, even though John Jones has been doing it for the last, I don't know, 10 years it has to be now that he's had this title. But, you know, overall, everyone has their own opinion on whether or not, you know, John Jones won or Reyes should have won or whatever. But this is from uh, MMAJunkie.com. And they're talking about the Texas Department of Leisure and Regulation, which oversees regulation of MMA in Texas. Uh, issued a statement to MMM Junkie, MMM, uh, sorry, MMA Junkie, in response to everybody's like Twitter and Instagram kind of stuff about it. Because also, there was also two other fights on the card, uh, one between Andrew Elwell and Jonathan Martinez and Andrea Lee versus Lauren Murphy that were also quote-unquote controversial and then fans essentially didn't like the way they were called or like judged. So in their statement, they said, as in all athletic events, athletes, teams, judges, fans, and media representatives can, and often do, have differing options about what happened in a com- uh, combative sports match. Commission spokesperson uh, Telemain said, TDLR, or essentially the Texas Department of Leisure and Regulation, apologize for the train behind me, apparently New York City's uh, approaching, uh, TDLR applauds the passion everyone is exhibiting about this sport, Comments have been made about the selection of the judges and the referees. In selecting ringside officials, TDLR takes into consideration recommendations made by the UFC. As well with all events, TDLR works closely with the UFC and other promoters to ensure the quality and experience of referees and judges to protect the health and safety of fighters. Um, if you're a longtime MMA fan or just UFC fan in general, this isn't new that shit like this happened. This happens at least... However, so often at times a year where there's a fighter that should have won who did well in the fight. And then the judges were like, actually, uh, they won the fight and they didn't do shit. Or there's times where it was a draw when one fighter dominated more than the other and yada, yada, yada. But judging has been an issue in the UFC for as long as it's been around, essentially. And the problem with it is MMA is still, quote unquote, new. It's been around for the most part of like 25 years, maybe 30 years at most. Um and with it makes it, at least my, in my opinion, it makes it hard for these commissions to really adjust to that because they're so used to like boxing or maybe kickboxing and things like that. And then they have people in those worlds try to judge MMA and they're like, I only, I only really can judge what I know. But if you're not familiar with like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or, you know, different types of groundwork or, you know, you're not, you know, maybe not wrestling or so on and so forth or different types of striking like karate or, you know, kickboxing, for example, or whatever, and you're not familiar with it, you're like, I don't know how to score that properly. And also, they school, they still score it as if it's like boxing for the most part. So, um, on to the article, though, it says, uh, Chief Among 200... Uh, wow, I can't read. Chief Among UFC 247 judging critics was UFC commentator Joe Rogan um, and Dominic uh, Cruz, which I'll get to in a second. Um, during the preliminary card about between Murphy and Lee, Rogan claimed one of the judges was looking at the floor instead of the fight, which fueled criticism from fellow commentator Dominic Cruz and play-by-play man John Anik. TDLR attempted to clarify what was going on during the sequence Rogan referenced, and they said, claims have been made that a judge was not paying attention to the fight and was looking down at the floor. 
one of the advances that the UFC has been uh, has made in the past several years has been to provide small video monitors below the floor level of the octagon for each judge to more closely monitor matches, which I, that doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not a judge, so I don't know. But if you have a monitor in front of you and you also have the cage in front of you, why are you looking down to a smaller screen that's, in my opinion, harder to see? You know, whether how close it is to the ground or not. I don't I don't understand that. So obviously judging is still a hot topic issue that needs to be solved. But also the problem with it too is all these different states have different commissions. So it's not like there's one you you know united front of like judging and like a set standard scoring system and like judges and so on and so forth. It's more of on a state by state basis and then you kind of just hope for the best and the UFC or Bellator any other kind of MMA promotion to try to find the right people to, you know, f- score these matches properly and to ref- referee them properly. In my opinion, for the most part, the referees do a really good job at it. Obviously, you're going to make mistakes, but I feel like with a lot of that, though, is more of a heat of the moment type thing. You know, you see something that maybe, like in the Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler fight, it has seemed that Ben Askren had submitted uh, Robbie Lawler, but he was still, you know, conscious, still fighting, but... By the time it seemed like the ref kind of saw that, he already called the fight to say it was over. But again, I feel like that happens less often than there is like a judging issue. Because even in, especially like boxing or whatever, the big kind of statement is you never are supposed to leave it up to the judges. Finish the fight in the cage. Because up from there, then it's like you don't know what the judges are going to fucking do. But I'm, in a second, I'm going to play a clip from the post-fight uh, kind of commentary from Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz about the judging and, you know, the issues that MMA's been having with all this stuff. So here we go. It's unfortunate because it's one of the biggest sports in the world. It's one of the, in my opinion, the most expi- exciting sport in the world. A lot of money on the line and in the judging. Incompetent judging. Incompetent judging and a, and a poor system. If we got together the best minds in mixed martial arts and the best journalists and fighters and they s- tried to figure out a way where we can agree on some sort of scoring system that makes more sense, it would it would be nice. We need to work together with these commissions and they, they got to let us in. Yeah. They won't let us in. They want to control everything and that's the issue. Why can't we all just work together towards one common goal of creating an amazing sport? That's what we need to do and stop being separate commissions here. We're here. No, we're all one. And clearly there's a giant issue with people judging that really don't understand martial arts. They have judged boxing. Boxing, you're dealing with two weapons. There a variety of ways of using them, but two weapons. With well, mixed martial arts, there's just so much more to it. In my opinion, though, the biggest takeaway from what I just played was what Dominic Cruz said was how, you know, they won't let us in. And I get it, you know, because in my opinion, I feel like if these commissions you know, do work with, you know, UFC or Bellator or whoever it may be, like Dana White specifically or whoever, that they'll probably end up losing quote-unquote money or they're kind of, le- like, their leverage or power within all this because they're having more people at the table now. You know, it's been known for a while, and I'm, again, I'm not a boxing expert or anything, but boxing is kind of not, again, I'm not saying boxing is completely rigged, but it does have a long history of, you know, people throwing fights and things like that. And you always hear in movies or when they, you know, do stuff on TV shows where like, excuse me, where, you know, a fighter throws a fight because of money or whatever. Those are because of promotion or so on and so forth. Or, you know, a fighter will get a easy fight leading up to a title fight 
you know, or so on and so forth. Like, there's a lot at play there, and I think that's the issue. We're now because you have MMA, which is one of the biggest sports in the world and the fastest growing sport in the world. That it's kind of like you, you're trying to like handle, you know, it at the same time, and they're like, "Hey, we need, we know, we want to make the sport better, but you're the reason why it's still struggling to an extent." Now, I'm not saying financially it's struggling, but like, if you want to get better, you need these commissions to work together or the UFC and Bellator are coming together and all these promotions like, Hey, this is what we're implementing. We're, I think that's the thing too. You need all these promotions to work on a united front to go to these commissions to be like, Hey, you know, we want to work with you guys, but you need to work with us as well. You know, they need to go a united front to tell them we need this to change. If you want us to continue with this. Now, am I saying they're going to like stop, you know, airing fights or having fights in America? No, because it's too lucrative and things like that. But I'm sure there's going to be certain things they can do to really like hurt these commissions if they need to, to be like, hey, you know, if you're not changing something, we're going to try to hurt your pockets is what we're going to do. We're not going to maybe set up the biggest fights then, you know, we're going to try to do our best to work, put on some good fights, but nothing to where, you know, where it hurts you guys now. That's the only way you're really going to do it. You need leverage in all this. And I think a lot of it too, a lot of these people in my understanding, these commissions are all older people you know a lot of them some of them don't understand mma and they don't really get it and they're not super supportive of it because it's different it's not what they're used to it's not sorry it's not what they're you know that's not their sport so they're unfamiliar with it so it's like it's unfamiliar territory and they're like i, I just don't know so until it happens until they figure something out this is just going to be a continuous problem in mma in general so but obviously within mma or basketball football soccer uh, any other sport, refereeing is an issue. Again, that's always been an issue. But when it comes to like combative sports, judging is, in my opinion, the bigger issue than it is with referees. But that's just my opinion on that. Um, please let me know your thoughts on all this. You know, big question though of this whole podcast: Do you think Dominic Reyes won? Do you think he was robbed of his light heavyweight title, or do you think John Jones won? And I ask that, but be unbiased, because I know a lot of John Jones fans are going to say he won regardless. It's like, oh, he won four rounds out of five, which if you believe that, you're a fucking idiot. And I'm sorry, but that's just the factual. That's the facts. Statement. My statement was factual. You cannot change that at all. <laughs> but thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, if you're interested, uh, I you can follow me on my social medias, at some internet show on Twitter and Instagram. Also, please rate the podcast. That would be super great. You can also find this podcast, too, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, uh, any of the third-party apps or apps you may use for podcasts on your phone, laptop, iPads, tablets, all alike. You know, wherever podcasts are available or sold, that's most likely where I'll be. So thank you again if you made it this far in the podcast. Um, I'm going to be releasing another kind of quick bonus episode tomorrow about all this Philip Rivers, uh, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady news about, you know, where these quarterbacks are going to go and things like that. So be on the lookout for that. And I will see you all tomorrow. And if not, I'll see you all Monday. Have a good rest of your week.